I'm going to ask you to turn with me this morning in the New Testament portion of the Word of God, 2 Corinthians. Um, When I say turn in your Bible, I am fully aware that nowadays, as they say, what that means is turn to any means by which you have uh, to read, meaning iPads, telephones, um, I don't know, just 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, I'll meet you there in the Word of the Lord in a few minutes. Amen. I have surely had a busy week, and I'm sure as you have, uh, it just seems like we're pressed, in, in, especially this season. I think we just have so many things that buy for our time, and we're under pressure. The ball games are ending and starting, and, and school, and it may be in its session. It's test week here, and a week or two or three, and all of it seems to compress and push everybody toward Christmas, but thank you for your faithfulness in the house of God as we worship the Lord. Amen. Second Corinthians, I'd give you some background, but I'm just going to stay with my notes this morning and perhaps come at a different angle from about a Thanksgiving message. One of the things that I thank the Lord for that as you age, even though you get older, hopefully we all learn more as we go. How many of you think you're smarter today than you were last year or five years ago? How many of you have some more experiences that help you through life? So follow me this morning as I go on a different train of thought and ask the Lord to anoint his word. Father, be with us this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to open your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It is life to our life. Thank you, God, that it became flesh and dwelt among us, which season we're thankful for, Lord, and we celebrate for your coming. Be glorified in our words. Be glorified in the message, Lord. Let your spirit speak to your children. I pray it for the glory of our Christ. Let everybody say, Amen. In 2 Corinthians... False teachers in the new early church had begun to sway that church against the founder of it, Paul the Apostle. How many of you know that politics is nothing new? And when I just said the word, it brought all kinds of thoughts to our minds today. These people that turned from Paul, they claimed that he was too fickle, he was too proud, he was unimpressive in his appearance, and He was unimpressive in his speech. The problem was that they didn't understand for the sake of the gospel. This man had been beaten. He had been stoned. This man had been just tormented. And the the biographies that I read about him said that Paul was stooped because he had been beaten so many times. And he was what the author called bandy-legged because he had traveled so many miles Paul was perhaps not something in the sense of a handsome man, every stature, and, but I will tell you this, he was an educated man, and, but here they found fault with him, false teachers were trying to get attention for themselves and trying to discredit Paul, they declared he was unqualified as an apostle. So when it comes to the second letter, second Corinthians, Paul makes his defense, False prophets, watch this, nothing new. They came with signs and wonders, things that were sensational. Signs and wonders, ladies and gentlemen, can easily be mimicked. 
They can easily be seen, but it doesn't mean they're genuine. False prophets came. If you remember, in the time of Pharaoh, even though Moses would cast the rod and it would become a serpent, so did the soothsayers. I just want you to understand that you and I should stay with this book and try the spirits and know that which is and which is not genuine from the Lord. Can you say amen? So they came with signs and wonders, things sensational, and these were their credentials. Paul said, I came with power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit and genuine godly love for those people. You know, it's hard to mimic love for a long time. You can, you can kind of fake some of the fruits, but I'm, some of the gifts, but the fruits are hard to, hard to deny, aren't they? The scripture didn't say we'd be known by our gifts, we'd be known by our fruits. That's what's important. Paul said, I came. And all throughout his ministry, he had suffered much. I talked about it. Vast experience with the enemy. Satan coming against him, both physically and spiritually. Aren't you glad for some tough, hided Christians? He could have boasted. Three years on the backside of the Arabian desert, God gave him special revelation, and he wasn't even allowed to say it all, lest he be exalted above the Christ. However, to the Corinthians, Paul told an amazing element in his life. It has been the center of controversy, question, speculation for centuries by theologians. I want us to read it in simplicity. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to read verse 7. Paul speaking through the Spirit, and lest, at lest, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me. There are so many people who speculate what this thorn in the flesh was. I like to stay simplistic and, and obvious with the word from the Spirit. I believe this thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan to buffet him. How many of you know if you're going to stand for God, Satan's going to come? It's not an easy journey. Lest I be exalted, Paul said, above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Notice the change of the entire mindset. Notice the entire concept of Paul who had asked Christ three times, Take this from me. Notice the therefore. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul thought it more valuable to have the power of God on him than the ease of living a Christian life. Verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow. What some powerful words of the Spirit. I, I kind of said it before, not a typical Thanksgiving message. I pray that the Lord will lead us in His words today. And for those of you who are younger and hadn't had as many experiences as the rest of us, I plead to the Spirit to 
get this truth across to you even if you're 15 or 55. All the rest of you can thank me. Amen. I want to pause to say this morning, thank God for the United States of America and a place where we can worship in spirit and in truth and in liberty without fear. Our nation still pauses, albeit it gets commercial, it still pauses for a time of thanksgiving, albeit it's a parade in football games and many times Christ is ignored. At least our nation calls it thanksgiving, and we're to recognize the source from which all things we enjoy come. I thank God for being an American citizen. But I want to talk to you this morning on this topic. Thanksgiving for the things I'm not thankful for. Thanksgiving for the things I'm not thankful for. Apostle Paul was given these great visions, great revelation from God. Because of these things, he became the greatest evangelist that we knew. Perhaps the greatest apostle. He wrote most of the New Testament under the anointing of the Spirit of God. He was also given, as we read, a thorn in the flesh. Again, scholars are controversial about it. I believe the word, and I believe it's very clear. But Paul, with this thorn, sought God. And Paul said, Lord, in a sense, I'll paraphrase, I want you to take this away. And God said, no. Paul came again and he said, Lord, I want you to take this thorn away. And God said, no. How many of you have ever prayed and God said no? We want yes all the time, don't we? Yes, we do. A third time, Paul approached God and he said, take this away. And God said, no. But I want you to notice the spirit of this righteous man. God, in essence, said, for my glory to be reflected, Paul, you need this thorn. With all that I've shown you, with all that I've revealed to you, knowing that I'm going to use you to go to the Gentile and start and form the New Testament church, I'm going to send you to the Greek and eventually across the world to all the Gentiles. God literally said, knowing the human tendency that is in all of us, Paul, this will be a reminder to keep you humble, but my grace will be measured sufficient to you for every day. Paul, knowing from whence those words came, knowing the great journey with God thus far in his life, Paul made a resolve. He said this. He said, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you picking on me? Why don't I have it as good as everybody else? Why is it you bless all these people and you don't bless me? I want to tell you, Satan will cause us to be so full of self, we always think we have it worse than everybody else. Let me be clear this morning. If you're sitting in this sanctuary and you're inside the, uh, the United States of America, America, you are one wealthy, blessed human being. How many of you are glad for America? Well, Paul said, okay. Then I will glory in the infirmity. I will take pleasure in this trial. I will be thankful for that which I am not thankful. And let me say in the process of time and with some experience now behind me, I've changed some of the things for which I am thankful for. I want you to follow my train of thought. Today, I thank God for things 
that were not enjoyable at the time. But I look back, and now, to God, I say thank you for those things that I was not thankful for. Have you ever noticed we always equate our blessings with God's goodness? And it's true, and that's fine. And thank God for the blessings. Let me just ask you, it kind of worked that way with our, with our earthly parents. Have you ever had a mom or dad, young people, or, or when you older folk like me were young, you ever heard a mom or dad say, I'm doing this for your own good, and you didn't believe it? I know probably if you had a dad or mom like mine, they would get a belt out and they would say something like this, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And how many of you believe that when you were nine? How many of you believe it now that you're 59? It's true, isn't it? But we just couldn't get there with it. It didn't happen in our minds. No one says, I thank God that I lost my job. No one runs around and says, I thank God that I became ill. I don't think we go around saying, thank God for a horrible storm that caused all this. But I have learned. Perhaps the greatest blessing in life are not recognized as blessings when they come. Only later do we understand the true value of some uncomfortable experiences in our lives. Excluding all the miraculous and all the magnanimous works of our God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The things in this life that are God's greatest gifts perhaps are not recognized as gifts at the time. As I look back over my life, I find myself thankful for the things I was not thankful for at the time. I will guarantee you something about your life if you think about it. The days you remember the most are not the delightful days. Yes, they're wonderful. Yes, they were fun. And yes, we do rehearse them in in our humor and laughter among friends. But the days you remember the most are the tough days, the hard days, the things that came against you. And we relive and we recall the days of struggle more than the days of ease. So I want to talk to you this morning and say, I am thankful for things I didn't used to be thankful for. I am thankful for every trial that took me to the feet of Jesus. I am thankful for every burden that sent me to the mercy seat of our God. I am thankful for every tear that drew me close to the face of God. I am thankful for every storm that taught me more about His grace than I ever knew. I am thankful for every midnight that taught me to hold His hand in absolute trust. I thank God for every shadow that taught me God's perspective different than my own. I stand this morning and I'm thankful for every enemy For God taught me how to love with a deep spirit love till I see what's actually happening rather than the enemy. The real enemy is the one who inspires the enemy. I thank God for every defeat that made me look up 
and realize my absolute total dependence upon the Lord. I've noticed my enemies may be as beneficial as my friends. Should I say that again? Is it possible that my enemies can be more valuable and beneficial to my life than my friends? My critics perhaps more beneficial than those who flatter me. We all have egos that need to be stroked. We all want to fit in. We all want to think as young men, we're, we're the most handsome. We're the most intelligent. We have the most beautiful hair. And I used to. I used to. I mean, we, we want to stroke. We want the, the, young, the young ladies, they want to say, oh, that's a beautiful dress. Oh, my, your eyes are beautiful. And on and on and on. We all have that as a human need. And it's fine. And my wife wishes she could get a lot more out of me in that category. The, have, have you ever noticed that the valleys are more fertile than the mountaintop? The valleys are much more fertile than the mountaintop. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, you, you cannot buy the ability to speak. And thank God for all modern technological advancements in the medical field and the science field. And we have prosthesis, prosthetics today that can help us do many things. But I want to tell you something. You can't actually buy the concept in your mind that teaches you how to walk. You can't buy the intricate indices inside that give you good hearing. You may be able to remove a cataract and get lenses, but you can't literally buy the ability to see. You can't buy the love of a mother. You can't buy a beautiful sunset. You can't buy the peace of God. You cannot purchase the joy of the Lord. Yet seldom do we stop to thank God for those immeasurable, genuine blessings in our life. But I want to come as a pastor this morning and say this. I wish to thank God for food. How many were glad for food? But I also want to thank him for hunger because it made me appreciate the fullness when I could eat. I want to thank God for good health, but I also want to thank him for the times that he has sustained me in sickness and in injury, and I've had plenty. I wish to thank God for nice clothes. I appreciate them because I know what it was as a child to have hand-me-down, hand-me-downs. You may even know what those are. Young people, you know what hand-me-downs are? They, they're called pre-worn today. Back then they were called used jeans. I thank God for nice clothes. I thank God for fun times. Because some tough times make the fun times special. I thank God for employment. Because I've known the agony and the struggle 
of seeking to provide for my family. I thank God for bare feet. It makes me appreciate good shoes. When I was a young boy way back in the country, we had what was called goat heads all over our yard. How many of you know what a goat head is? They are not fun. How many of you know they come in four parts? How many of you know they have crystal clear stickers on them? And you can get the goat head out, but you can't get the stickers out because you can't see them. I want you to all say, poor pastor. I doubt if you do, if you know what they are. I appreciate good shoes because there's times when I was barefooted. I appreciate little to eat because it makes me savor plenty to eat. How many have ever heard the statement, your eyes are bigger than your stomach? That's some big-eyed people, isn't it? But I remember as a child, I went to a little two-room school and there was an old... 1939 WPA Rock Building built that I spent my first eight years in school in. And over to the side, an old house had been torn down, but there was an old siding two-car garage left. And they went in there and put a floor in it. And during the days of my early youth, we had what we call commodities. And the government would issue cheese and peanut butter and so things. And we employed a lady and after I, after beginning in the fifth grade, I actually had a hot meal for lunch. We'd walk into that old garage that was made makeshift, and, and uh, they'd have these long tables, and we'd sit at those old metal chairs. And I hated cooked broccoli. It stinks. I like raw broccoli. I do not like butter beans. I don't like sauerkraut. I, don't, I like spinach raw, but I don't like it cooked because it smells. And we, we, we wouldn't eat it. They'd give it to us on the plate, wouldn't it? And then the teacher would sit there and say, Little mister, until you eat that, you don't leave this table. Let me tell you one thing I learned as a young person. When the home and the church and the school are on the same team, you can raise a good generation for the Lord. But Satan came in the school, and then Satan came in the families, and ladies and gentlemen, none of the three are on the same team today. If you think we don't need a revival in America about the home and the school and the church being together, you can think again. But I didn't like those things, and I didn't appreciate them. So we had this little bitty milk carton, and I learned real quickly as a fifth or sixth grader. I'd watch the teacher, they'd be gone, and I'd take that nasty-smelling spinach, and I'd drink that milk, and then stick it in the milk carton and hide it. And I actually, God, please forgive me, I've thrown some of it on the floor. I have repented of my sin many times. I have been to the Lord in great sorrow and intercession. But I want to tell you, all that says to me, when I sit down to a good meal, it says I should be thankful. How many of you appreciate a good grocery store? I appreciate little to eat because now I can savor a great meal. 
I, I appreciate and thank God for shadows. I've been in some dark storms in my life when I didn't think I didn't have the heart and life to go on. But I've learned to delight in the sunshine when it shines. There's an old song that I remember as a teenager. It went like this. Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's the one who always cares and understands. It goes on to say, and you'll know him by the royal robes on him. No, he has one. It goes on to say, you'll know him by a majestic crown. No, but he has one. The scripture says, when you're in the shadows and you find him standing, you'll know him by the nail prints because he paid that price that you can have the victory today. Thank God for weakness. I've learned I can lean on his strength. Sometimes you don't understand the battle that goes on between my office and this pulpit on Sunday morning. And all the ministers in this room can say amen. I mean, Satan will attack in every way he possibly can. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I thank God for that weakness because it makes me enjoy the anointing of his strength. I thank God for darkness because I've learned to run toward the light of this world in the darkness. I know this sounds odd. Most of you know I've been through two surgeries this summer and let me tell you, I don't like it. But I've learned to thank God for pain because it helps me minister more compassionate to those who hurt and have pain themselves. I thank God for chastening It makes me flee from wrongdoing. I thank God for conviction that makes me miserable when I've missed the mark, but I've realized it's God's love trying to keep me on course. may sound odd. I thank God for questions because trying to answer questions teaches me His wisdom from this source. And let me tell you, you'll never exhaust the wisdom in this source. I thank God for an old Dearborn stove, the only stove in the old house. I've told you before, I'm going to outmarty you. We lived in the country. We had to poke rags and newspapers in all the door cracks of our house on the north and the windows covered in plastic because if we didn't, snow would blow through all the cracks. We didn't use the north door in the wintertime. We used the south door and the west door. Poor pastor. We had one stove in that house. It was an old Dearborn stove. And back then we had the the kind of mattresses that I had little flannel pajamas and my mom would let me warm them. She'd warm those blankets and go put them in the bed. And then I'd get my pajamas as hot as I could. I couldn't stand them. And I'd run to the bedroom holding them off my legs. Jump in that bed and she'd put 14 pounds of, shoot, 50 pounds of cover on me and I couldn't move the rest of the night. How many of you ever slept in a feather bed? How many of you know that you are there for the duration? I thank God for a Dearborn stove. It makes me appreciate central heating. I thank God for an old water cooler. 
that had a float in the valve and you hooked the water to it and you let water run down outside of it so the air that brought through it would cool in the house, but also learned it rusted all the furniture. We, everybody back when I was a kid had a gray and marble-looking chrome-leg metal furniture, and it all rusted because of the water cooler. I remember, I, I, but I loved it. I loved that old, that old water cooler because it had the fan. It would cool you, but you could go sing and sound like a star because of the echo. Man, I spent hours singing in that old water cooler. That's the reason I'm the amazing talent I am today. <laughs> but it makes me thank God for central. How many of you literally worship God because of air conditioning? <laughs> I thank God for chickens and milk cows. Even though I struggled when I was four and five to learn how, when I was about first grade, I learned how, and I wish for the next 12, 14 years I'd never learned how to milk a cow. I know I'm taking you way back in the ancient days. But when you do that, you have to do that morning and night, morning and night, morning and night, morning and night. And when you get 16, 17 years old and you've got a date, you don't want to milk a cow. You want to go see that pretty girl. Anybody here ever milked a cow? Well, a few of us. How many of you know that a calf will bump a cow and she'll step on your feet? How many of you ever been with a swung tail hit with a cucumber in the face? So have I. How many of you know what kickers are? You have to put those kickers on to keep that cow from kicking on you. I had to gather the eggs, and sometimes roosters would fight you and jump in your face with their heels. Anybody ever had that experience? I was a young kid. I had to milk the cows, feed the chickens, do all that, gather the eggs. Anybody ever reached in a nest and felt a snake? I have. I'm in my second life here. I tell you what you do. You go gather the eggs and feel a snake or two. You go milk a cow and get hit with a cocoa burr. And you get stepped on and you get slobbered on and you try to separate them and the cow tries to fight you. And I'm trying to build this as hard as I can. But it is true. I tell you what, you do that and you will thank God for a modern grocery store. Thank God for grocery stores. Thank God, I thank God for critics. It makes me love my friends. I, I know this sounds horrible, but I've learned to thank God for loneliness. It helps me appreciate my companions. And especially my one companion. I thank God for losses. It, first of all, makes me want to win. But it also teaches me the joy and the challenge. And it teaches me discipline. And here's where we've blown it today. When everybody wins and nobody ever loses and everybody gets a sucker and a trophy, we've taught the wrong message. Life is not always rewarding. I thank God for failures. Pastor, surely you jest. 
No, when I fail, it makes me want to try again and try again and try again and try again. And I've learned with God, we are guaranteed if you will keep His Word, He will see that you win. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord, who are called according to His purpose. Oh, to be sure, I thank God for good health and medicine, and food, and home, and church, and protection, and salvation, and family, and friends, and doctors, and nurses, and hospitals, and new technology. I thank God for sight, for hearing, for sense of touch, for a sound mind. I thank God for beautiful music and beautiful art. I thank God for the peace that passes understanding. I thank Him that the joy that He gives me that the world can't take away. I thank Him for the assurance in my heart of the work He's done through this book. I thank God for His mercy. How many of you thank God for His mercy? I thank God for His grace. I thank God for the house I live in. I thank God for my automobile. You can even get heated steering wheels now. And my wife loves it. And seats that heat and cool. And they will keep you in the middle of the road. If not, they'll vibrate you on the left and the right. I don't know if I like it or not. I don't even know how to drive my wife's car. So I let her drive it. I thank God for laughter, don't you? Don't you thank God for laughter? Wow. I thank God for prayer. And I thank God that I know you've prayed for me many times. And I for you. I thank God for justification because it's just as if I had never sinned. I've been declared righteous in the high court of heaven. And I thank God. I thank God for justification. I thank God for some little luxuries that I have. I don't think anything about chewing a bubble gum and blowing a bubble till I go to Romania, till I go to foreign countries and those children never even heard of it, never seen it. I took a bucket of it and threw it out and they thought it was the finest thing they ever had in their whole life. One time. One time. I thank God for necessities. I thank God today I can walk. I'm working on running. <laughs> I thank God for a sense of smell. I thank God for a sense of taste. I thank God for humor. Even though some of your humor's corny. Mine's always good. I thank God for wisdom from the book. I thank God for some understanding. I thank God for mom and dad who taught me some common sense. I thank God for liberty and freedom. I thank God for redemption. I've been paid for. I belong to the Lord. I'm a child of the Most High God. I thank God for the blessed hope that we have in our Christ. I thank God for absolute truth. Come on, if we're going to give it a hand, let's give it a hand. Hallelujah. I thank God for this Bible. It's why we give thousands upon thousands of dollars a year to those who are in foreign countries that never had it. And today we print it in 120, 38 languages, the Fire Bible, so everybody else knows the value of the truth across this world. 
That's why we ask you to sacrifice. I thank God for a good bed. I thank God for a good blanket. I thank God for a pillow. I thank God for sunglasses. Don't you? I thank God for a sunset. I thank God for trees. I love trees. I like the shade, don't you? I love the colors in the fall. I thank God for flowers. I thank God for fellowship among those of like precious faith. I thank God for rainbows. It's still the promise that it'll never flood the earth again. I thank God for mountains. I thank God for lakes and rivers. I thank God for His agape love that no matter how bad I go, He still keeps His heart on me. I want to say again, I thank God for mercy. How many thousands of times have I been at the mercy seat? I just want to say in this late hour, thank God for heaven. Aren't you glad there's a place to go to? I thank God for His Holy Spirit. That when I was a five-year-old boy and said, God, come into my heart, that Spirit entered me and I wouldn't do without Him for a second. I thank God for His patience. Here's your chance. How many of you know that God must be patient to keep putting up with me? Come on, it's all right to raise your hand. How many of you are glad he put up with you? You know, putting up with us is a pretty good task sometimes. I thank God for a dishwasher. All the ladies should have said amen. You know why? Because when I was a kid, I used to be the dishwasher. I, I, I thank God for a clothes washer. You know why? Because I used to have to rub the old scrub board, if you know what a rub board is. How many of you know what bluing is? How many of you know what starch is? How many of you know the old metal things you put pants in to make them stand up like that? I, I was raised in all that, having to do all that. How many of you ever got your finger in a ringer? Your hand in a ringer? Those of you that haven't, ask those that have. They'll explain it to you. It'll make you tiptoe in a heartbeat. I thank God for a clothes dryer. That way I didn't have to go out and put mom's apron on full of, what do you call them, the, the clothespins and hang all the... I, I, I was always embarrassed to hang underwear up. I didn't like that job. And I didn't like to take them down and pull them all and bring them in the house. I thank God I don't have to use clothespins anymore. And, and what do you call it? Wires out there. Clothesline wire. Thank God for that. How many of you are glad for puppies and kittens and little bunny rabbits and gold leaves and the stars and the sun and the moon? I thank God for forks and spoons. Go to Asia and you'll suffer a while. I learned to eat soup with, what do you call those? What do you call it? Chopsticks. Let me tell you, that's not easy. Don't you thank God for spoons and knives? I thank God for skillets. Man, 
and women who know how to use them. <laughs> yeah. Told my wife the last year or two when we built a house, I'm just going to not build a kitchen in it. But we're doing better. <laughs> I thank God for pinto beans and cornbread. And you can't hardly find both of them in one restaurant at the same time. That's why I like the rocking chair restaurant. What do you call that? Cracker Barrel. That, that's only one of the only places in this whole metro area that you can go get pinto beans and and cornbread at the same time. And this is spiritual. I thank God for filet mignon. Medium rare. And follow it with about four scoops of ice cream. I thank God for smooth roads, though I haven't seen any in 30 years. <laughs> Every once in a while, you'll get a quarter of a mile and you just go, God, heaven must be like this. <laughs> Move to Texas. They do better on their roads. Boy, this is going to give me some brownie points. I, I'm thankful for lipstick and eyeshadow. I'm thankful Avon calls. And I'm thankful for shaving cream. You ought to try to shave without it. I thank God for a million other blessings. All the things that we consider good. But I believe we should have a thankfulness for all the thorns in the flesh. The things that buffet us. The things that point us upward rather than outward. I've said it before. I think God knew what He was doing when He said in the last days I want you to look up. Because if we don't look up we'll be looking around and if you look around too long you'll be looking down. That's why I want to be around positive people. All of us have problems and Satan comes in like a flood but aren't you glad we can hug one another and cry together and laugh together and get the power of God on us in agreement and prayer and say, Lord, we're going to thank you right in the middle of the worst test we've ever been through in our lives. Thorns in the flesh, things that buffet us, things that point us upward. I want to thank God for two sons. Even though I took them numerous Times for stitches over and over and over. Because like father, like son. When I got in the U.S. Army, they decided they wanted my services. They said, are you squeamish with needles? And I told that one sergeant, I said, if I had all the needles sticking out of me that had been stuck in me, I'd look like a porcupine. <laughs> I thank God for broken ribs. A deflated lung. The first year in the ministry, Satan tried to take me out. I know it sounds odd, but I thank God for what I learned during six and a half years where we had three miscarriages. Blood clots that threatened the life of my wife when she was 34. Phone calls that in the ministry have threatened my well-being and my family. Things that are 
messengers of Satan that will buffet your life. Yet because of his faithfulness, I trust God more. I know God better. Brother Mixer, a few weeks ago, gave me a book to read, even though it's of a different persuasion. Theologically, this man still knows something about human beings. Listen to this man named Kempis. He said, It is good for us to have trials and troubles at times, for they often remind us that we are on probation and ought not to hope in any worldly thing. It is good for us sometimes to suffer contradiction, to be misjudged by men even though we do well and mean well. These things help us to be humble and shield us from vainglory. When to all outward appearances men give us no credit, when they do not think well of us, then we are more inclined to seek God who sees our hearts. Therefore a man ought to root himself so firmly in God that he will not need the consolations of men. When a man of goodwill is afflicted, tempted, and tormented by evil thoughts, he realizes clearly that his greatest need is God, without whom he can do no good. Saddened by his miseries and sufferings, he laments and he prays. Then he understands fully that perfect security and complete peace cannot be found on this earth. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank God this morning for the cross. It will lead me to a throne. I thank God for thorns. It will lead me someday, Paul told me and the Christ told me, to a crown. I thank God for His stripes. It provides me healing. I thank God for His blood. I am washed and cleansed and my name is recorded in the book of life this I thank God for His death. It lets me believe and I'll be resurrected. I thank God that His Christ has gone and resurrected away because He said, if I go, I'll come again. I've said it before. When we arrive at the portals of heaven, I believe we look back. What we thought were our mountains will be our valleys and what we thought were our valleys will be our mountains. I want to say this morning, I've learned to be thankful for things that I'm not thankful for.